Welcome to Slate Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and pray that wherever you are, this message will bless you. If this impacts you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. All right. Hey, why don't you give someone props and take a seat? <laughs> That's not as cool as I thought it was. <laughs> I was like, okay. Don't come out, don't come back up for a long time, Jason. <laughs> I always tell people to give high fives and take a seat. And uh, nothing else has worked tonight, so I'm just going to go back to that next week. How's everybody doing? Yeah, how's everybody doing? Are we all awake? This is the 6.30 service. It's the most rowdy service. It's the, uh, it's the most fun service. It's got the most single people service. Single pet people have lots of energy, I tell you. Who's single? Put up your hand. Say, yeah, I'm single. I'm ready to mingle. I told you. Keep your hands up high and take a look around. Who's single? Put your hand up. There we go. <laughs> I don't care how you got here. <laughs> it's just good that you're here. Uh, good to see you. As Nate introduced me, my name is Brandon Richardson. I'm one of the lead pastors alongside my beautiful wife, Emma. Can you believe this woman has had three kids in the last three years? Dang. And uh, pastor alongside the incredible Luke and Victoria Betker. Yeah, they're awesome. Let's give it up for Luke and Victoria. And, uh, you know, my wife Emma, Pastor Emma and, and Pastor Luke are brother and sister. And people are always getting their names wrong. Betker. It's, it's Bet- my, my dad, and this is not a, not a pass for anybody else to call them this. But uh, he always referred to Emma as bootlegger, Emma bootlegger. And it's just, it's wrong. So if you want to know how to say the name right, it's bet, I made a bet, and ger, like a bear, okay? Bet ger, everybody say it with me, bet ger. All right, now when somebody asks you, what's your pastor's name? It's not bootlegger, it's bet ger, all right? <laughs> but uh, we absolutely love pastoring here and absolutely love what God is doing. So thankful that you would show up tonight. Because uh, the truth is, is that without you, it's really, I mean, we really don't have a church, do we? Um, But it's also that Slate Church is also not built on the talents of a few, but it's built on the sacrifice of many. And there's just so many people in this room that give so much to make sure that days like this can happen, services like this can happen, weekends like this can happen. And we're just so thankful for all of you that make Slate Church happen. You know, it's incredible how many hours are given in a week, in a month, in a year. And we really do just honor you, everybody that's come alongside Slate Church and said, hey, this isn't just family, but we're going to contribute to what's actually happening here at Slate Church. We're going we're gonna to give back into what God's given us. We're going to not sit on the sidelines and watch the game. We're going to get in the game. We're not going to be parti- uh, spectators. We're going to be participants. And uh, we're just so thankful for all of you. So can you give yourselves a round of applause, all of you that are involved? We're so thankful for you. And I'm, uh, I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited for the, the message that, that I believe God's been revealing in my heart over this, this past week. And I'm going to be speaking out of, uh, out of basically a theme that, that I've been walking through over the last little bit. 
and a theme that ultimately s- sort of comes up over and, and over again. You, you ever have these themes in your life where uh, you've got to relearn the lesson time and time again? Like you learned it once, you thought you were done with it, and then all of a sudden it comes walking back into your life, and you're like, oh, all right, uh, time to learn this one again, you know? Uh, I, we, we have these lessons all the time when it's, you know, it comes to disciplines and habits in our lives. Like, I've got to learn over and over again just to go to bed early. Anybody have a pro- trouble with this? You're like, I promise myself every day I'm going to bed early. And every night I'm like, all right, tomorrow's the night. You know, like, um, I got to remind myself in, in different seasons to love my, li- my, my life well. <laughs> that too, but love my wife well. You know, there's times we go through seasons, things are busy. There's a temptation to treat each other as roommates. And we got to remind ourselves over and over again, we got to relearn this lesson that we're not roommates, we're spouses, we're, 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 we're forever friends, but we're also so much more than that. I've got to love her through it all, through the highs and the lows, and that's something i got to learn over and over and over again. I bet everybody in this room, if we were to talk to you individually, if I was to talk to you individually, each of you would be able to say one of the lessons that you need to learn over and over again. And one of the lessons that I have to learn over and over again, I think it'll hit home for everybody in this room is how to get unstuck in life. <laughs> I don't know about you, but but so often I just allow the whims of, of culture to determine how I feel. I allow what the first thing on my calendar uh, is to determine how I feel. I let somebody else's emotions on the road determine how I feel throughout the day. I let so many things determine how I'm feeling. And we get stuck in, in emotions. We get stuck in plateaus. We get stuck in complacency. We get stuck in apathy. And, and tonight I just want to take that on. Uh, I, I want to take it head on. Is that okay? I, w- I want to I tackle this one head on because I really believe for those of us that are willing to receive in this room that we can actually walk out of this place living our best week we've ever lived. I, I really believe that we could actually have the energy and the sustenance and the power and, and the God's presence in our life enough that we can actually go out and make this next week different than the last few weeks have been, different than the rut that we've got stuck in, different than the, the, the apathy we found ourselves in, different than the, the complacency that we've experienced. And so if you're taking notes tonight, I've got a title for you. Get ready to write this down. Tonight I'm going to be speaking on the topic, What the Rut? What the Rut? Turn to somebody and say, What the Rut? What the Rut? I want to talk about what it looks like to get out of our ruts. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read, read God's word. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are, and I thank you for these next moments together. God, I pray that you would um, speak your word, that I would fade off into the, the background, and, God, you would take the foreground, that, God, what you speak tonight would have the power to, to um, change us from the inside out. God, I pray that we would recognize that you're in this space tonight. God, I pray that we would recognize that you really do want to do something, that we just haven't shown up to a cool concert, but God, we showed up to worship you, to, to, to praise your name, to hear from your word, and God, I pray that it would change us from the inside out tonight. We pray this in your name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn with me to uh, the book of Luke, and uh, we're going to find ourselves in chapter 24. Luke was not one of the original uh, closest followers of Jesus that we, uh, we, we coined the disciples. But he was uh, somebody that was very close with the early church and with those um, early disciples. And, and he was a very inquisitive kind of guy. He was detail-oriented. Uh, anybody detail-oriented in the place? You're like, yeah, that's, that would be me. Well, Luke was also a doctor. Anybody a doctor in, in Slate Church today? Doctors would not put their hand up in this moment. They're like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, he was a doctor. 
and uh, he, he recorded and, and, and he essentially compiled a lot of what the disciples said about Jesus, what they experienced with Jesus, but he also went into great detail on a lot of those different things. And one of the things that he goes into detail on is some of the, the, the time that, that took place after Jesus died on the cross and then rose again. See, Jesus had been walking for, on the earth and, and, and doing ministry in particular for three years, and a bunch of people had basically given their lives all over to what Jesus wanted to do. They had given their all to it. They had given their nights and their days and their mornings and their energy and their time and their resources, and they gave all these things in order to see what, what Jesus was saying was, was the coming of the kingdom of God, to be able to see the kingdom of God actually come about in their world. And then all of a sudden, Jesus goes and dies on a cross, and they're left, like, stuck, and they're like, what do, what do we do now? <laughs> like, you know, he, they all thought that he was going to come in one way, but he actually came in a different way. See, they all, they all expected over those three years he's going to release them from oppression. He's going to come alongside them and unlock their purpose. He's going to come alongside and restore them into the rightful place as people that are going to rule the world and all the rest. And, and Jesus comes and he, and he does all of those things, but he does it in a very different way. And I think that's important for us to just realize in this room tonight is that some of us are waiting on God and we're wondering when he's going to show up and when he's going to show up in the way that we want him to show up. But could I just suggest tonight that maybe he's already showed up and maybe he's already working and might just look in a different way than we ever expected. And so he shows up in a different way and, and he basically gives them the heads up, hey, listen, I'm going to die. And then three days later, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back from the grave. And uh, it's in that time that Luke records some interesting facts for us. So if you're, if you're with me, uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 13, we're going to read. And uh, the title of this, this little passage in Scripture is called On the Road to Emmaus. Everybody say Emmaus. So now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were ta- talking with each other about everything that had happened, As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up. Remember, he died on the cross. They're discussing the things that had just happened. They're wondering what's actually happening right now. Some of our women have told us that he rose again from the grave. And they're discussing all this stuff. And they haven't yet interacted with Jesus themselves. But it says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? Isn't that so ironic that these guys are literally asking Jesus, like, are are you only a visitor? Do you not know what's happening? It's like the only guy that actually knows what was happening is being questioned whether or not he knew what was happening. You know, he's just kind of looking over these guys like, okay, okay. Uh, and he said, he said, what, what things? I love it when God kind of plays dumb. He's just playing along. He's like, he's like, well, what, what, what are you talking about? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, uh, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. Then they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
And I, I love this because if the early church was going to make up anything about Jesus' death, they would not have relied on the testimony of women. During this society, not in this religion, but in this society, women's voices were not what they are today. Thank, thank God that they are what they are today. But in this time, they would not have relied on a woman's witness to prove that Jesus rose again from the dead. Like, like this is the worst argument from a Christian perspective, whether or not Jesus died from, on the cross, unless it's real. Like, if they were trying to make this up, they should not be using these women's, uh, the, these women's uh, uh, word about what just happened. But then it goes, it said, some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they did not see. Again, if they're trying to make this up, it's a terrible way to make it up. It's like more guys went and, and they could have got the, the, the witness and the word from them, but they didn't even find it. And then he says to them, now, you, now how foolish are you? And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer all these things and then enter in his glory? It goes on to say, as they approached the village that which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. Again, just acting. I'm just going to do a little bit of acting here, a little side gig. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open. And they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. See, these guys are in a rut. I don't know if you've, saw, you, you've given, at one point of your life, years to something, maybe years to someone. And all of a sudden, in a moment, everything shifted, and in a moment, all of a sudden, everything was different. And what you found was you went from pure ecstasy to pure, purely stuck in the place that you found yourself. You know, these guys, they spent a number of years with Jesus, and all of a sudden he's taken away. And the things that Jesus was speaking about, they weren't seeing uh, right in front of them. And so they started to slip into what was known as a rut. I've, uh, I've got stuck in my, my majority of ruts throughout my life. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been, you know, a kid, sometimes you get stuck Stuck, you put your finger in something you shouldn't put your finger in, like like a ring or something, and all of a sudden you, you're like, oh, shoot, you know, and all of a sudden you get the cold sweats, and you're like, oh, no. Anybody done something like that as an adult? You're like, like, I'm way too old, and you, like, put your hand in just like a, like a railing, and then you're like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> it's like talking in a conversation, you're like, no, no, everything's, everything's, everything's. Everything's good. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, I'm totally interested in your mom's warts on her feet. Yeah. Um, that's disgusting. Anyway, um, you know, you get stuck in things as, as adults. Uh, we went on a staff retreat. And not just, not, 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 not a full staff retreat. It was a dude's staff retreat. And we went on a dude's staff retreat because we wanted to go ATVing together and, and experience the outdoors and live in the wilderness. And my parents did not have... ATVs growing up, but they bought some ATVs when they moved to their previous house a couple of years ago. And so, of course, you know, I want to invite the guys over to my parents' house. We're going to do some ATVing and and uh, just do some dude stuff. And I, I want to like like prove to them, like, look at me, I'm an outdoor wilderness man. Like, look at look, I I carry a jackknife around with me, you know, in my pocket. And 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 I can understand why the girls didn't want to come. I mean, when I first met Emma, the first time I got to chat with her on the phone was actually after she was in an ATVing accident herself. She got in an ATVing accident, and I took that time to slide not into her DMs. This was long before DMs. I slid into her parents' phone with a legitimate reason. 
And uh, that's key. You don't want to just slide into your, her parents' phone with, with, like, no reason. It was like, I'm, I'm caring for her, you know. I remember saying to my friend, I'm like, oh, thank God this happened so I can call her, you know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we went out there with guy, as guys, and, and uh, we got on the four-wheelers. Of course, there's only two of them, so there's two guys on a four-wheeler, which is always a lot of fun, you know. I was just driving a little extra hard, and Jared's on the back, like, you know, just squeezing the death out of me. And I'm like, dude, take it easy, you know. And, uh, and it had just rained previous to us going there, so the previous night it had downpoured. And in the trails, because there's, you know, a canopy of trees, uh, the water doesn't always evaporate at the rate of everything else. And so we came up to this puddle that I was familiar with because I had driven through it before. Like, I had total boss, just drove right through it. Like, look at me, you know, drove through a puddle. And uh, I remember coming up to it, and I'm like, I'm like, here, I can prove to the guys that, like, you know, like, I can do this kind of stuff. Like, look, I'm not just, I'm not just a, a modern man. I can also go into the wild and drive four-wheelers, okay? And so I come up to this puddle, and I'm like, here we go. And Luke and, and, and Ben had already gone by on the side, and, and so I, I start gunning it, and I've got Jared on the back. And, of course, he's squeezing way harder than anybody should ever squeeze on a four-wheeler. And, uh, and we drive through this thing as fast as we can. Little did I know that this little puddle had actually developed into about three feet of water. So all of a sudden, like a river comes over Jared and I. Jared is drowning in the river. He's like, oh, I can't swim. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jared can swim. <laughs> I'm kidding. I get caught up in my own stories. That part's not true. And so I'm on it, and, and, and I'm like, no, no big deal. We got stuck. Like, like, we're in a rut. That's fine. Like, I'm like, time to use the winch. First time in my life I've ever used the word winch. I'm like, let's use the winch. And everybody's like, wow, he really knows what he's talking about. And so I'm like trying to use it, but in the process of trying to use it, I break the winch. Like we are, I am stuck in three feet of water with an ATV that is not my own, that my dad reminded me is worth more than all of my cars combined. I only have two. That sounded like I had a lot more cars. Um, and, 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 he's, and he's telling me, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm panicking. All of a sudden, Ben, on the other ATV, jumps, swan dives into the water, swims over to our ATV, puts a rope on the ATV, and pulls us out. Ben just got married yesterday. Let's give it up for Ben. Not because he got married, but because he can do a swan dive in a puddle. And he's there, and he puts it on, pulls us out. And so I just, I'm on, I'm on the four-wheeler, and... and uh, and I'm like, I'm like, wow, man, good thing we didn't get stuck for too long, hey guys, you know. And immediately I just gun it as fast as I can back through the puddle. And everybody's like, what are you doing? So I had to stop and go around. But, you know, like, like it's interesting because, like, like, I really did. I wanted to go back through it because it's just like sticking your hand in something. You know you shouldn't. And there's that point where you're like, I should probably stop. I should probably stop. And you're like, ah, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, shoot. You know, there's, there's, there's a part of us that's kind of addicted to, to getting stuck. In fact, there's, there's actually like a sick part of us that, that doesn't so often mind being in a rut. 
you know, in a, in, I, I don't just mean tonight, you know, a, a physical rut like, like getting into ATV and getting stuck in the mud or, or, or driving your car and getting stuck in the winter and having to explain to your father-in-law why you were in the ditch with your little one-year-old baby in the back. Like, I, it, it, just stories that aren't true. I'm just making up on the spot. But uh, I'm not talking about just physical stuff. I, I'm talking about the, the real heart of the matter stuff. Like, some of us feeling like, you know, when, when, I, when I had kids, that was, that was awesome. But now I just feel like I'm in the rut of parenthood, and I don't know how to get out of it. It's just day in and day, it's the same thing. Every night I promise I'm going to be different tomorrow, and it's just the same thing. I'm talking about the kind of ruts that some of us find ourselves in the room, that it's an addictive rut. We told ourselves time and time again, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop that. And we're just getting tired of telling ourselves that we're going to stop that, that we're just kind of living in it, and we're functioning addicts to that thing, and we're just kind of going about life just completely stuck in a rut that we never intended to get in in the first place. I'm talking about the kind of rut where some of us are physically, right? We told ourselves five years ago that we'd start working out because we knew our heart needed to get a little bit better. And we're starting to starting to come around Thanksgiving time. We're like, okay, you know, Monday I'm going to do it, you know. And Monday's the day. I'm going to give it up on Monday. And all of a sudden it's Tuesday, it's next week, and, and we're still not there. I'm talking about the kind of ruts that all of us experience from time to time. I'm talking about the ruts when we wake up and we look outside and, and we go, well, it's a rainy day. I guess this, this is how I'm going to feel today. Or we look at our watch or the phone and go, well, the barometric pressure says I'm going to have a headache today. Or we look at this or we look at that and we just say, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in a rut because that's just the way it is. Can I suggest today that God actually wants to pull us out of the ruts that we find ourselves in? That he actually wants to bring us out of the places where we feel stuck? Bring us out of our complacency? Bring us out of our apathy? Bring us out of our day-to-day where we don't expect anything great to happen? Bring us out of our lack of faith and into a future where God is actually moving on our behalf, where we believe the best about what he's calling us to, and we believe that he's actually walking by our side? Turn to somebody and say, what the rut? What the rut have I gotten myself into? It's crazy, but some of us are so addicted to being in it, and some of us actually find our identity from going through stuff. Some of us love the attention that we get on Instagram when we post it there. Some of us love having people come around us when we're in time of need. And, and I, I'm not saying this is what everybody that's going through something is like, but, but some of us actually become more addicted to the identity that is tied to the places we're stuck rather than addicted to actually, or not, not even addicted, feeling, wanting to feel release from the things we're actually going through. You see, all of a sudden we start finding our identity in the things we're going through, and we almost love that more than the thought of the release from the things that we're going through. But here's the thing. One thing I know about God is that God wants our identity to be in nothing but him. He wants our identity to be in nothing but in what he's provided for us and who he's called us to be in the stamp of approval he's put on us as children of God. And there's no reason to stay in the rut when God is willing to take us into the places that he needs us and wants us to be. Now listen, uh, the, the, the thing is, is that we, we do get a lot from time to time from going through valleys. I'm not saying that valleys are evil. And what I'm not saying is that just because you're going through things in this room that you're bad. Nothing about that is absolutely, it, it, that everything about that would be false. Because here's the thing, we must go through valleys at times in order to appreciate the mountaintops. 
We must go through things in order to have something valuable to bring to the people around us. In fact, we actually sometimes receive more nourishment through going through valleys where it's lush and water comes down and there's vegetation and we're able to actually feed on the good stuff in a valley. We learn a lot of lessons going through it. But a valley is a terrible place to put up a permanent address. It's a terrible place to want to stay. It's a terrible place to just live in. And what we've got to understand is that God wants to bring us out. Does that sound good? Come on, turn to somebody and say, what the rut? These guys are walking back from Emmaus. And they're stuck in a rut. They've given their all to this guy. And it might seem a little far-fetched to be like, well, are they really in a rut? I mean, it's three days after they followed somebody for three years. And I would just put back to you the very same question. Some of us have actually gone through relationships for three years or longer and three days later, how are we feeling? <laughs> we feel, you know, all of a sudden it broke off and, and things got messy. And how are we feeling three days later? These guys have, are devastated. This was, this was what they thought was going to release them from all the oppression that they were feeling. This was, what, this, is, this was what they thought was the answer to their prayers. And all of a sudden, there's no word on anything. You've got to understand that these guys walked through what we call the intertestamental period. They were part of a, a culture that experienced 400 years where God gave the Israelites no inspired scripture. That's the piece of, 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 of scripture, or that's the piece of time between the, uh, the, the Old Testament, which is the part of the Bible that looks uh, forward to the life of Jesus, and the New Testament, which is a part of the Bible that looks back at the life of Jesus. This is what we call the intertestamental period. And during this time for 400 years, God had given no new inspired scripture to his people. And so all of a sudden, somebody comes on the scene, Jesus comes on the scene promising that he's going to be their freedom, that he's going to release them from the oppressors, that he's going to come alongside them and he's going to provide and, and all of these great things. And, and he's promising all of this and then all of a sudden it's complete silence. See, they're used to being in the rut. They're used to being in this place. But what we need to understand that if we're ever going to get out of the rut, the same way that these guys are going to get out of the rut, we must formulate a response to the rut. We are required to, re, uh, to, to, to formulate a response to the ruts that we find ourselves in life. You see, so many of us actually get used to the things that we're going through because we no longer react or respond to the thing that we're going through. It actually just becomes second nature for us to wake up, look out the window, and declare over our day, well, it's a gloomy day, I'm going to feel gloomy today. It's, it's actually a second nature for us to look at our calendars and, and see that the first thing on our calendar is actually going to determine what we do for the rest of the day and how we feel about the rest of the day. A lot of us just allow the very menial and little things in our lives to actually control the way that we go about our lives, and we don't question the way that we're feeling. I want us to start thinking a little bit higher. I want us to start thinking a little bit bigger. I want us to start thinking a little bit greater. What if we started responding to the ruts that we find ourselves in? What if we started questioning whether or not a Christian should live in complacency the rest of their life? What if we started questioning that purpose that we once had but we lost somewhere along the lines and started returning to that moment where God spoke words of life into us? What if we started responding to the ruts that we find ourselves in? See, tonight, I just want to go through a few things that, that, that are required in, in, in formulating a response to the ruts that we find ourselves in. The first thing is this. I find it really interesting that Jesus comes alongside these guys, and, and he's asking them. He's like, well, you know, what, what happened? And they, they start answering, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? They start to explain this stuff. They said, uh, this Jesus, 
He was a prophet, powerful in word and and deed before God and and all the people. The chief priests and and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and, and they crucified him. It's the third day. The woman found, went to the tomb. It was empty. More guys went to the tomb. It was empty. And they're just explaining. <laughs> they're explaining over and over. They're, they're describing their rut, the rut they find themselves in. Here, here's what's happened. Here's, here's what's been going on. Here's, here's some of the things. Here's some of the chronological ordering of things that have happened in the last few days. If, you've, if you're wondering what, 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 what state we're in, why we're, we're so gloomy, why we're so downcast, well, well here's some of the things that, 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 that we, we, we've been going through. I don't think that we're, we're so different in the way that we respond to the things that we feel stuck in. I, I don't actually think that we respond too different. The content's obviously different. The, the way in which we explain it might be different. But so many of us meet the things that we're stuck in in life with, with facts about what's happening and with, with descriptions of what we're going through and with information on, on how things are and we just keep describing the situations that we find ourselves in. And so many of us are content just to go over and circle the same conversation about why we feel the way that we do and why we're going through the things that we are and, and who impacted us that left us in this position. And, and, and what we begin to do is we just we, we allow the facts of our life to rule our lives. We allow the facts of our situations to determine how we're going to walk out our day. Well, this is what happened to me, and this is when it happened, and this is how it happened, and, and this is what's going on. And, and we allow the facts of our lives to start ruling what the future of our lives look like. And if we're not on the facts side of things, we kind of fall on the other side. You know, we, we often say facts aren't feelings, but on the other side are feelings, right? <laughs> And on the other side, a lot of us just allow our feelings to determine how we walk through our days. If somebody cuts us off on the way to school, well, guess what? We're in a bit of a mood for the rest of the day. If somebody sends us a text that's unfavorable, all of a sudden, we start to react out of that. If we are scrolling through Instagram and a seed of insecurity comes in, well, guess what? We start interacting in our social circles based on insecurity. We allow facts and feelings to rule our futures. You see, Jesus comes on the scene, and he's talking to these guys on the road to Emmaus. And he's going, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Why are you here? Why are you, why are you, why are you walking? Why are you so downcast? Why, why do you look like this? Why are you ex-? And all they have to give him is gloom faces and facts about what's happening. It's interesting because one of the things that they say to Jesus on the road to Emmaus was to say, and what is more... It is the third day since all this took place. Now, why this is important is because these followers of Jesus would have followed Jesus for long enough to know that Jesus actually gave them a heads up that he was going to be crucified. And what did he promise them? On the third day, I will rise again. So, so, so literally what they're saying is, here's how I feel. Here's all the things that I know about our situation. And yet we have no belief into the future that God's going to take care of us. I think it's time to move from facts and feelings into faith about what God says about our future. Into faith about what God wants to do in our future. About faith about how he wants to take us out of the places we find ourselves and into a glorious future in his presence. You know, this, uh, this sweater that I'm wearing right now is, uh, is my favorite sweater. It's my new favorite sweater. Anybody, anybody have a favorite sweater? Every, everybody has a favorite sweater or a favorite pair of shoes or a favorite something, you know. Favorite blankie, you know. Somebody sells a favorite blankie. 
some university students like, no, oh, that's kind of real. Like, <laughs> this is my favorite sweater, and, uh, and and we know it's our favorite sweater because all of our clothes could be on the floor in our rooms, all over the place. But this one sweater is always folded up in a safe little place, likely in a safe with a passcode. You know, our roommates aren't wearing that one, our our kids aren't destroying that one, and we put it away. And it's just, this is my favorite sweater. I, I got it as a gift about three weeks ago. And I looked at it, and I'm like, I'm going to look good preaching in that sweater. <laughs> that's, my pre- that's my new preaching sweater, you know. It's comfy. It's got room. It, it, it feels like, like my best friend. I don't know. That's kind of weird. Uh, and and uh, I'm just like, this is, this is it. Well, you know, a week ago we had Thanksgiving. Everybody enjoy Thanksgiving? Anybody eat way too much turkey? Anybody still paying the, uh, the penalty for eating too much turkey? A few of us. <laughs> it's like day by day, more of us are starting to recover. We're like, oh, I'm doing okay today. Yesterday was a bad day, you know. But I wore this uh, to Emma's family's Thanksgiving, and, and I'm eating uh, Emma's grandma's uh, uh, turkey. I'm eating it, and, and, and turkey is always cooked, or always tastes better cooked by somebody else. Anybody agree? Yeah. Um, also, just the process of Making a turkey is disgusting. We won't go into that tonight, but that's just disgusting. I, I'm eating it, not thinking about it, and I'm just eating it, and all of a sudden, some of the turkey falls off my fork and onto my favorite sweater. This sweater, the, the one that I'm wearing right now. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, it just doesn't fall on it. You know, like sometimes you can recover because it falls, and you're like, half-second rule. You know, like, oh, it's good. No, it proceeds to fall on my sweater and tumble down my shirt, leaving a trail of grease. Now listen, Emma's, Emma's aunts are without faith, and they come up to me, not like, like not real faith, but like faith in what's about to happen, and they tell me, they say, you know that grease doesn't come out of clothes? And I look at them, and I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, like, all of a sudden, I went from like king of the world, eating someone else's turkey, to like, this is the worst day of my life, like quite honestly. Like, you've had a pretty good life if that's the worst day of your life. Uh, but honestly, I'm like, you know, all of a sudden my mood's changed. I'm, like, telling the kids, like, let's go. Come on. Let's go home, you know. And uh, it's just like, all of me is like, oh. But here's the thing. Like, honestly, like, it, this sounds bad, but there's some things that I'm good at and there's some things that I'm not so good at. One of the things I'm not very good at is laundry. Anybody not good at laundry, don't leave me hanging. Please. Please don't. Because the only time, like, I, I used to be in, like, a Christian version of Scouts. You know what I'm talking about? You get the blue sash, and then you get your little pe- badges. And uh, I remember doing laundry one time because I got a little badge for it. That's all I can remember. So when I get told that this grease isn't coming out of my favorite sweater, I'm, I'm in despair. I'm like, oh, Jesus, why me? I'm freaking out. I'm like, why? Like, I just got it. Like, I wouldn't buy that myself, but it was given as a gift, and I love it. And, and all of a sudden, I started, but all it took was somebody like my wife coming along. She's like, oh, that'll come out. And why are wives always like that? Oh, that'll come out. Like, just totally minimize what you're going through. You're like, my life is in shambles. You know? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You know? Sure enough, a few days later, I get my, my favorite sweater out of the wash, and guess what? The grease is gone. But listen, listen, this is how so many of us live our lives. 
So many of us are content to just talk about the things that are going on in our lives, feel glum about the things that are going on, realize the situation isn't what we wanted it to be, and leave it there because we have nobody else in our lives saying any differently. We're walking through a rut. We're walking through complacency. We're walking into a future that is so far from where we actually wanted to be, and nobody's correcting us. And so we just walk through claiming fact, claiming feeling, and missing out that God wants us to walk into the future with faith, that he can transform anything in our lives, and he can bring us into the future that ultimately we want. See, we've got to go, if we're, if we're going to actually start responding to the right in our life in a proper way, we've got to start going from fact and feeling to faith. We've got to start incorporating the faith of God into our lives in order to believe in a future that maybe we don't see right now, but we are going to see as, as we go through it this life. You see these guys are walking along, they're describing to Jesus and saying, yeah, this is just kind of how it is. This, this is. this is our life now. And I just find it so interesting because, as we pointed out at the beginning, they're questioning him. They're saying, have you, have you not been around? Are you a visitor to Jerusalem? And they start questioning <laughs> and they start describing exactly what, Jesus of Nazareth went through. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people, the chief priests and the rulers. Isn't it interesting to you that these guys went from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which in, in, in God's word it, it says that it was seven miles in distance, literally talking about what had just happened and walking most of that way with Jesus failing to recognize that he was there. You see, seven miles is, is, is 11.2 kilometers, I believe. And 11.2 kilometers walking is somewhere around two hours. And you just start thinking, like for two hours, you're walking with Jesus. And he's asking what's been going on. And the whole time you're describing to Jesus what happened to Jesus. Well, you see, uh, yeah, he went through this uh, crazy stuff, and he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, like, yeah, totally sold out by this one guy. He's like, oh, really? Tell me more. Yeah, and that guy, he sold himself out, and he's no longer around. He's like, oh, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. You wouldn't get it. We've been through hell and back recently. Jesus the whole time's like, I literally just went to hell and back. For you, you know, but he just stays quiet. He's just walking. He's like, okay, okay, went through hell and back. I get it, you know. <laughs> just walking. And, and honestly, as, as, as we're going, as we're going, I'm, I'm reading this passage, and, and it's always dumbfounded me. I'm like, like how, like, how was God so patient with these guys? Why is he so patient? I mean, these guys are in, they're in the, the throes of their life. They're like, they're like totally frustrated with what's happening. They're totally confused. And they're walking away from the place that he told them to remain. He told them to remain in Jerusalem. They're not just going for a little walk to chat about what's going on. Hey, come on, let's just go for a little walk and, and just talk things through, you know. Like, what do you think's actually happening? No, 11 kilometers is not a casual walk to just talk about what is happening. It's a distinct walking away from where God initially wanted them to be and talking, get this, talking about Jesus and not talking to Jesus. Come on, if we want to get out of the ruts that we find ourselves on in our lives right now, we've got to stop talking about God and we need to start talking to God. We've got to stop talking about the things of God and start actually getting involved in the things of God. 
And now as pastors, we have no patience for anybody that wants to sit in the bleachers and, and, and hurl insults on what God is doing through his church, through slate church. Have no patience for it. Get on the field, feel what the turf's like, and get in the game because that's only when you're going to understand the place that God actually wants you to be and how he wants to lead you. These guys were walking further and further and further away just talking about Jesus. And, and it got me thinking about, again, you know, I got Thanksgiving on my mind because that turkey is still still here, you know, still dealing with it. And we were talking, uh, Emma and I hosted Thanksgiving at our place this year. And so my side of the family and her side of the family came. And, and we're just swapping stories back and forth about, you know, crazy stuff growing up and my sister's not here, so I can just some, tell some stories about her. <laughs> She'll hear about this and, and kill me, but that's okay. She's in North Bend. Uh, she's got a far way to go. And uh, I remember my mom was like, oh, yeah, well, this one time. And, and I don't remember it. My sister's like four or five years old or something. And uh, she took a pen lid and shoved it up her nose. <laughs> she's like way up there. And she was walking around for a decent amount of time just whistling at her nose. Like, <laughs> You know, and we're all like, what is happening, you know? I'm just thinking, like, at the table, I'm both laughing because I remember that and also thinking as a dad now, like, oh, I hope my kids never do anything like that. Fast forward a week. <laughs> all of a sudden, kids are playing with some, like, bracelet, you know, um, pipe cleaners and, and beads and that sort of thing. All of a sudden, <laughs> just yesterday, right before my hockey game, it sounds kind of bad. I was praying to God, like, oh, can we get this thing out of here? Not because I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss my hockey game. I'm like, please, God. I'm looking at my son's nose, and he's got, I thought it was a Skittle. And so <laughs> you get the tweezers up there, you know. He's totally patient. I don't know how long this has been up there. And get it up there. He's just, like, waiting. I'm like, I hope I don't touch his brain. Like, all I'm thinking about is, like, how they, like, mummified uh, yeah, pharaohs, you know. I was just like, oh, that would be terrible. And anyway, I'm up there. And I'm like a surgeon. I'm going to put it on my resume. I'm like, I got it. I pulled it out. I'm like, dude, don't ever do that again. You know, like this is not the actions of a pro athlete. You need to stop doing these things, son. And uh, these are the kind of things that we talk around the table as parents about. And but my little daughter, she's been, she's been picking up on this. And now when we're talking about her around the table, because we'll be like, oh, did you hear what Theo did the other day? And, and so Kenzie, three years old, has already started picking up on this. And she'll start asking. She's like, hey, are you talking about me? I'm like, until you start sweeping up around the house, little girl, we're going to be talking about you a heck of a lot, you know? But no, I hear her, and I'm like, oh, she's right. <laughs> That's not fair. It's not even fair that I share this story with you about my kids. Because, like, I didn't have any control about it. Are you talking about me? Let's just imagine Jesus is there, you know. <laughs> talking about me? One kilometer goes by. This guy seriously don't know this is me. Five kilometers go by. Tell me more. It's like into their 11th kilometer and they're ready to have dinner and they're still just clueless. Because this is what talking about God does to us is it puts us in a sleepiness about what God actually wants to reveal to us because when we're satisfied talking about God, we'll never actually step into the depth of what it means to talk to God and we'll miss out on all the things that we actually get when we talk to him. Listen, some of us want to talk about God because we're scared what he's going to say when we talk to him. 
Some of us want to talk about God because we're scared about what he might direct us in when we talk to him. Some of us are scared to talk talk to God because we really believe that if we just get in that space, maybe he's going to start convicting us about some of the things that have been going on in our lives. But here's the thing. We will walk for miles. We will walk for days. We will walk for months. We will walk for years in this life stuck in a rut if we do not choose to turn our gaze upon God and start opening up to him and start saying, hey, God, here I am. You see everything. You see my mind. You see my heart. You see my spirit. You see everything that's going on. Can you please speak into what I'm going through? Can you please speak to what's going on? Can you please bring me out of the place I find myself in? We've got to start talking to the things in our lives and not just talking about the things in our lives. It's not good enough to just be putting out on social media about what we're going through. It's not just good enough to just be opening up, just talking about it, talking about it. Who's willing to listen? Guys, we got to start talking to the things that are going on in our lives. We got to start speaking faith into the things that are going on in our lives. We got to start speaking faith into the crises that we're going through. We got to start talking to it and not just talking about it. And finally, I, I think that it's worth mentioning that if we're going to get out of this rut or the ruts that we find ourselves in, another response is required, a quick response, not a delayed response. <laughs> Some of us are delaying the process of what God wants to do in our lives simply because we just won't take the action necessary to get ourselves there. You know, I, I had a moment at my sister's wedding recently where I sat down on the couch and I couldn't stand back up. Renee, you're laughing. That's not a funny part of the message. I'm going to speak over here. <laughs> she was there. She's like, what's happening to Pastor Brent? I sat down, could not stand back up. You know, so I do the smart thing. I talk about it. Oh, you should have saw me yesterday. And my wife's just like, stop talking about it. Go to the hospital or go to the doctor. I'm like, yeah, what's he going to say? You know, like. Finally, I go to the, not the hospital, the doctor. I make a doctor's appointment. I go to it, and he gives me some x-rays. Or he sends me for some x-rays and an MRI and all the rest. And, and you would think I couldn't stand up that I would just go get the x-rays done. But all of a sudden, I'm there for another issue later on. And he's like, have you gone and done your x-rays? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, he's like, yeah, they haven't come to me. I'm like, yeah, it's because I haven't done them. <laughs> Why is it that when we're in need, we continually delay the help that we could receive. You see, these women were at the grave earlier that day that, that Peter went. Like, all they had to do was wait on God. All they had to do was obey Jesus and stay in Jerusalem. All they had to do was believe what the woman had said and the angels had spoken to them. But so many of us, rather than taking the easy way through life, we choose the hard way. And, of course, there's three ways to learn in this life. The easy way from someone else's mistakes. The hard way through our own mistakes or the tragic way, not learning at all. And here's the thing, my dad, every time I'm on the phone with him asking leadership questions or asking him questions about parenting, he always says, excuse me, the same thing over and over again, Brandon, remain humble. Yeah, yeah, dad, but what about it? remain humble? 
Yeah, yeah, but remain humble. And you know what? If I had to just listen to my dad from the moment I was younger about remaining humble, I think I would be in a much better place today. What is it about us being stuck in ruts that we don't just take the easy lessons that are around us and apply them to our lives to be able to move ourselves in the trajectory that God actually wants us to go? Listen, you've got a wise person in your life, start listening to them. If you've got a Bible, start reading the Bible. If you've got somebody that cares enough about you to speak in your life, start listening to what they have to to say, listen, we're only going to find ourselves growing in our walks with God if we start listening to the voices that God's placed in our lives. We don't need a delayed response. We can have a quick response. We don't have to walk years in the things that we find ourselves in. We can fast track the process by listening to the wisdom that God's actually placed in our lives. We can actually bow to, we can bow down in our, our egos to the crown and receive the things that God has for us. Come on, can you imagine a couple hundred people just going out from this place and leaving the things that have been holding us back in this room. Can you imagine a bunch of people walking in freedom because we say, you know what, no, no, no. I'm not going to walk away from the place that God called me to, discussing all the things that we wish would have happened, discussing how I feel about it all, but I'm actually going to take it back to the place God called me. I'm going to start releasing it to God. I'm going to get some people around me, and I'm going to get freed up from the places I feel stuck, and I'm going to go out and be the person that God's called me to be. Can you imagine what that would do to a region? I reckon that there would be some people that would start thinking, like, what's happening over that slate church? All of a sudden, some people that I, they were going through some stuff, but they seem to be carrying it with a lot of grace. What, what's, wrong, what's, what, what's wrong with them over there? I, I heard that something catastrophic happened in that person's life, but they're just walking as if God's taking care of it all. Can you imagine if a few hundred people just started saying, you know what? Being stuck is not my calling as a Christian. My calling is to walk with God and allow him into my life and to walk into everything that he he has for me. Can you imagine what that would look like in our society? Sometimes the best, uh, the, the, the best example of Christ working in us is allowing the world to see what a changed life looks like after coming into contact with the presence of God. Can we stand up in this place? Man, if you're wondering, like, why, why is this guy, I'm, I'm just so passionate about about, about finding freedom. We're children of God for, for goodness sake. <laughs> We're children of God. There's no reason that we've got to walk in this stuff. So many of us can walk out of this place free today. I'm so passionate about it because really Jesus is the one that's been able to set me free. He's the one that set me free from my ego. He's set me free from my addictions. He's set me free of my identities that weren't placed in him but placed in other things. And so with every head bowed and eye closed in this place, the Bible literally just says this. Whoever believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. I, I'm going to count to three in just a second. And all you have to do in this room if you want to start following Jesus is lift up your hand on the count of three. Nobody's going to lift up their eyes. Nobody's going to peek. Everybody's head's bowed. Our eyes are closed. I'm not going to point anybody out. But I want to know who I'm including in a prayer at the end because here's the thing. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Bible says that if we just believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. The Bible said that Jesus was sent to earth so we might have eternal relationship with the, with the Father. And so today I just want to ask you, do you want to make a decision to follow Jesus? Do you want to recommit your life to him? Maybe there's somebody who wants to recommit their life. If that's you on the count of three, I'm just going to ask that you put, lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying for. One, Jesus loves you. I really believe that. Two, today is the day of salvation. If that's you, could you just lift up your hand? 
Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Come on, I believe this is the best decision you could ever make in your life. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wait here another, I see that hand, I see that hand. I'm gonna wait here just a moment longer. I see that hand. Come on, God, God is willing to bring you out of the place you find yourself here tonight. I see that hand, thank you. I see that hand, thank you. Jesus, thank you, I see that hand. Come on, today is the day of salvation, church. God is good. Church, could you repeat after me? And if you raise your hand, in this place today, and just so you know, you're not alone. There is a lot of people in this room making that same decision with you today. This might be the first prayer that you've ever prayed, but I wanna lead you in it. Church, could you help me out and repeat after me? Jesus, today, I make the decision to follow you. Today, I put myself on the, on the side. I choose you as my center. I choose the sacrifice you made. I wanna follow you. Today, I become a child of God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, can we party and welcome people into the family of God? This is the best decision you can have. Come on, let's celebrate in this place. So good. Again, if you made that decision, you are not alone. But in just a moment, Nate's going to come up. He's going to give you some further direction because this is a decision made in private. It's meant to be lived out in public. And I believe if you partner with God, your best days have just begun. Congratulations. We love you. Welcome to the family. Hey, this was a message I preached because I needed to hear it. I'm tired of waking up day after day not expecting that God wants to use me throughout my day. Every head bowed and eye closed in this place. If you're feeling you're stuck in a rut, you're just in a place where you need God to move on your behalf, you're just, you're just there and you're going, this isn't what God has for me. I want to stop walking away from the things that God has for me. I want to start inviting him into what's going on in my life. I want to stop talking about God. I want to start talking to God. I just need out of this rut. If that's you in this place, could you lift up a hand? Thank you so much. My hand is up. Seems like every other hand is up in this place as well. Guys, let's believe that God can move in our lives. Jesus, we come to you today. We've come here, a lot of us, just doing life day in and day out. We just do the North American thing. We think about ourselves and we think about our needs. And God, today we're, we're praying that you would bring us out of this apathy. God, please bring us out of our complacency. Jesus, bring us out of the rut that we find ourselves in. God, we don't want to live normal lives any longer. We want to live lives that look like following the Holy Spirit, that look like opening ourselves up to the presence of God. God, we want to walk with you tonight. Jesus, in this moment, we want to we want to release ourselves to you, Jesus. We want to put ourselves on the side, and we want to take up our cross and follow you, Jesus. We pray that we would walk out of this place full of your presence, full of your power, full of your courage, full of your boldness, ready to take on everything that you have for us. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Thank you for watching. Again, if you were impacted by this message in any way, send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. You can also visit slatechurch.com and fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. As well, you can stay connected with us by following us at Slate Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.